Welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And uh, Joe is joining us because this sideshow is all about retro gaming. And to help it along, we have the owner, Ben, from Boom Boom Games in Berwicka, Massachusetts. Say hello to the nice people, Ben. A pleasure to be here and uh, with you too. And hopefully we can have some fun. Now say hello to the assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to. They know me. They, I know them. Uh, so... Uh, Boom Boom Games is going to be the uh, video game provider, the retro video game provider of the next event that I'm doing at Mill Number no. Five in Lowell this Thursday. Um, of course, titled Joe's Basement, and uh, we're really, really excited to, to have Boom Boom Games apart. And I will tell you, advertising works, Ben, because I found out about Boom Boom Games from listening to sports radio. Fantastic. And uh, that just means it's working. It's not cheap. So that's absolutely what I want. No, and it's great. It's like literally because we wanted to do each each time we did an event. I want it to be for a different charity and also as many different like vendors who find it. We want to create win-win scenarios. So these are really fun events, but also, you know, the, the store. So it's great because Joe and I could not possibly have enough friends in the in the video game gaming world. So it's always great, to, you know, to meet new people. Um, and like I said, listening to sports radio, I heard about you. So let's get right into the most important thing. What is the greatest video game of all time and why is it Galaga? <laughs> why isn't not galaga um oh man i mean really just depends on your generation i suppose uh wh wh where are we starting with this i mean that's a really loaded and open-ended question it really is uh but but I, I always i always throw that out there because that and miss pac-man are the only two games i've ever really been good at as far as like the old arcade world um uh, but i got uh, in Card, arcades are impossible they're just so difficult especially because you can't pause them and it's just like you're limited and it's so tough it's just forget about it jacques so, stopped playing video games when they nintendo came out so it's, it's true it's actually true checked out uh, he's like two buttons forgot this <laughs> but but i won't bore it but i got pulled back into this world you know a, a while ago 2000 to 2003, I owned a post-production company in Santa Monica, and I had to go to the DVD author's house to wait for a disc to burn so I could take it to the QC place. And this kid was a gamer. Um, he, he, you know, had, he, early on in the YouTube walkthrough and all that stuff. And I live for Batman. He's like, here, why don't you try this out? Because I watched him for about 20 minutes play Arkham Asylum, and I was just stunned that I wasn't watching a movie. Like it was so fluent and so great. He hands me the controller. And honestly, it was like my dog trying to figure out algebra. I, I literally played for all of like three seconds and I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm good. But, but Joe, um, on the other hand, Joe, how many working systems? Uh, it'd be interesting to know if Joe has more working retro systems in his basement than a retail store. How many how many systems do you think you got up and operational right now in the in the Lucium? Oh, God, it's got to be about. By the way, this background is fake. This is my real camera. But, um, <laughs> but, this, but his basement looks a lot like that. Yeah, yeah a little more dungeony. But <laughs> I would say 
It's more of a, more of the brick background that Jock has. So um, I would know. I'd say probably about I don't know twenty. I don't know. I forget. I I kind of lost count. I have like uh, everything from I have an original Odyssey Pong machine all the way up to an Xbox Series X. So you know, I could, I have pretty much every generation, a bunch of handhelds. So you name it, I can waste time with it. Well, the million dollar question on that of the twenty, which one gets the most play? Uh, it's got to be the NES because I grew up with the NES and I uh, I never grew up really, so I'm still <laughs> playing the NES. I, I you know I, my my comfort game is Mega Man Two, so I just throw in Mega Man Two. I you know beat it in about I don't know twenty thirty minutes, and then uh, yeah, that's what, that. What about you, Ben? When did you jump into the video game as a player? What was your first system? Uh, yeah, so I mean that's. My, I was growing up, my brother was born in 79, I was born in 85, and uh, my mom's like an antiquer and stuff like that, so when we lived up in northern New Hampshire, we'd go yard selling like every weekend, so I probably, you know, started going with her when I was four or five, you know, 1989, 1990, 91, and uh, my mom's super frugal and stuff, so she was like, you're not getting the new systems, you're not getting Super Nintendo, you're not getting Nintendo, and so every yard so we'd go, we would buy a box of Atari shit, it seemed like you know, a, a working 2600 or a working 5600 or whatever it was with 50 games, 100 games, me and my brother would go home, we'd figure out which games we liked. And, um, you know, by the time I was six or seven, we probably had eight or nine working Ataris with a thousand games. Um, so that's really where I started was with Atari and my brother um, in the late 80s and early 90s. And then my cousins who didn't have frugal parents, uh, gave me a hand-me-down NES, probably 91, 92. So I got really into, uh, you know, Tecmo and Mario 3. Uh, and then I had a couple friends who had Super Nintendos. And there was this handicapped um, guy that lived on the street from us who got basically all his money from the state. So he had everything when it came out brand new. His room was just loaded. You know, he had Sega CD. He had everything when it came out. And uh, so we played a lot over there. Um, and then my stepbrother had a Sega Genesis. So every time I go to my dad's, um, after my parents uh, split up, I would play Sonic 2. And uh, I think Sonic 2 is probably the first game that I ever left the system running overnight consistently until I could finally beat those final stages. Um, and so I kind of just had those hand-me-down systems. And then my very first system that was brand new, which was a huge deal, was N64. Um, and so that's why if anyone knows me and they come into the store or any of my friends, you know, I have this affinity for Star, Star Fox 64 um, because that was the very first game that I ever got that was brand new. Um, I think it was uh, went, uh, Christmas in 97, might have been 98, 97, 98. Anyways, um, I told my mom I didn't, you know, she never, ever got me what I wanted for Christmas, ever. She never got me what I wanted. It was, you know, whatever. And I told her all I wanted for that Christmas was an N64. I didn't want anything else, just a Nintendo 64. And um, she winded up doing this thing where she wrapped every single present under the tree in the shape of an N64 game box. Oh. And every single oh. box had like socks or gloves oh. or something in it. What a monster. She had, she had a bigger box that looked like a console. It wound up being this really awesome Atlanta Brave starter jacket because I'm a big baseball fan. I was like, really cool jacket, but it came in the box, you know, N64 size console box down to the final present under the tree that said literally said final present on it and of course it was like this thick and there was no way it was an n64 game and i was like this i was so mad at her but i was trying to be like put on a good face but it can't be an n64 game i didn't get my n64 i was so upset 
and I open it up and it's the big box bundle of Star Fox 64 with a rubble pack. And I just like freaked uh. out. And uh, up in the top of the tree, there was like a, a, a note that was like a scavenger hunt. And I had to like do like 30 clues around the house and downstairs in the basement buried underneath a bunch of blankets was a brand new N64. And so um, I have this affinity with Star Fox because so, it's like, that's my most memorable Christmas moment. And I was 12, 12 or 13 years old when I got my first brand new system. I thought she was uh, just going to like lead you to like a, a Toys R Us and make you wait in line to buy a Nintendo 64. It's like, yeah. you know, three days after Christmas, like what the hell? Oh, dude, yeah. I, I, I yeah. got a shout out to mom. Cause that, that's a baller move. That that's yeah. just, that, I mean, I, I kind of did something to my kid, but I didn't drag it out that long. It was a couple years ago. We had just moved back from the middle East and we had a clubhouse outside that they didn't know like the shit that my dad and I had put in insulation, run power to it, all that stuff. And they got a switch, but they opened the switch box and it was empty. And their elf left them a note that it's like same thing kind of. And they're like, oh, Martellus, the name of the elf is, is trolling us. And they finally go outside, not knowing that not only did they have a clubhouse, but it was. A, but for, for your mom to do that, to, it's so mean to wrap the games that oh, look like that. Oh. The tree and the tree that year was loaded. There was probably a hundred presents under the tree and 60 of them looked like N64 games. Now, why uh, would a Boston, so now why would a Boston or, 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 you know, new England area kid in 1997 want an Atlanta brave uh, jacket? Oh, so that's a good question. So my dad was from the South. So I grew up uh, liking uh, the Braves uh, collecting baseball cards. With my dad, Fred McGriff winded up um, becoming my favorite baseball player. Cause he had just been traded to the Atlanta Braves. They winded up winning the World Series then in 95. Um, so I just became hooked. Uh, and ironically, the Rays are now my favorite team because in the expansion draft in uh, 97, he actually got drafted to the Rays. Uh, and now my son's middle name is actually Frederick. Uh, oh, that's was, awesome. Yeah, my, so my dad was an Alabama football fan at Atlanta Braves, and he was just from the South. So I wasn't raised to like any New England teams or anything like that. So I'm, I'm a Niners fan because – my dad was, uh, you know, an Alabama fan. He didn't like pro players. He thought they were all hot dogs and prima donnas. And so he didn't like the NFL. And uh, so I was just sort of left to my own, you know, whatever. Um, and it was seemingly in 1993, 94, the Niners were always playing the Cowboys. And Steve Young was running around out. And I'm right-handed. I'm outside trying to throw left-handed. I, <laughs> I thought he was cool. And then, of course, they win the, they win the Super Bowl that year. And they blow out the Chargers like 49-7 or whatever the final score was. And I was hooked. So my allegiances are all over the place because I wasn't raised to like any like regional sports teams. My dad was from the South. My mom's not a sports fan. So I was kind of just whatever was on TV and whatever I wanted up liking. So, I mean, so when, yeah, I was going to say, well, you're a sports fan. So what were your big sports games growing up? Was it on, did it start on the N64 and just yeah, no, the so, PlayStation? So I, I used to try to sneak in games of tech Tecmo uh, Super Bowl before the bus would come. I'd be up and I was running around, with, you know, um, uh, Bo Jackson and um, and oh, running back for the Niners. Why can't I think of his name? Yeah, I thought I had him. Oh, no, running back. Uh, oh, God, I'm just going to drive me crazy. I got to look it up now. Um, but yeah, so it started It started with the NES and I really, and then it moved to Sega Genesis. Uh, my, my brother was in the chess club with my dad and he had this friend named Billy Skog who had a Sega Genesis. That's where I first played Mortal Kombat and learned about the blood code and all that. But he had Sports Talk Baseball. Yeah. So while my my brother was practicing chess in the other room with his buddy Billy, I'd be playing Sports Talk Baseball in the Genesis. And that was that was pretty cool because it, like, talked to you and all that. So, yeah. yeah I was a fan yeah. of Joe Montana's Sports Talk Football. Yeah, that was a good one, too. 
Yeah. I, I, you know, getting back to the Braves for just one sec. I thought, I thought because your store is in Barica, the home of Tommy Glavin, that that was the, that that was the tie in that like you were a big Tommy Glavin fan because he's from the area and he played when he played 20 years for the Braves. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I am, I'm a big tie. I'm a big Tom Glavin fan. He finished his career with the Mets, but um, yeah, no, I'm a big Tom Glavin fan. It just, uh, that just happens to be a wicked big coincidence more than anything. And uh, in the running back was Roger. Craig. Roger Craig. Now Roger Craig. And what, what thing. is your favorite hockey? Because, you know, hockey is really the only sport that matters. Uh, so what is your favorite video hockey game of all time? Uh, it's gotta be blades of steel. Um, but NHL hits is pretty good on the GameCube. I, I, you know, if give me a toss up, if you want to go new gen, I'm going GameCube NHL hits. But if you want to go old school, I'm going to go blades of steel. Do, yeah, do nothing too authentic. Cube? Do you have the cube? You, you have the cube, but do you have hockey for the cube, Joe? Oh, me? Uh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. I wasn't a big sports fan getting into like the GameCube era. Like I, I, I kind of fell out of gaming in like the late '90s, early 2000s. So when I started recollecting for older systems, I didn't pick up a lot of like uh, sports games. But uh, no, I did not have uh, any really. I don't. I don't know. I don't really have any hockey games for the for the for the cube, as you call it. But the the blades of steel, like the music for that, is just the best. It's just yep. I, I could listen to. I literally could listen to it on a loop, and and I often do, even when it's not playing. <laughs> like, like it just <laughs> it just lives rent free in my head. So so. How did you uh, how did you end up being the proprietor of your own retro gaming store? Oh, yes. I mean, that's that's a, uh, kind of a windy, complicated road. So I went to school for film uh, in Ithaca College, graduated in 07. Um, and it was uh, and then moved to Hollywood and uh, for a few years worked out there and then wound up moving back. Um, and during that time, so late. 06, 05, right around there, my my sophomore, junior year of college, uh, I was sitting around with some of my buddies playing some of my N64 games, and we were playing Rogue Squadron, and then we were playing Rogue Squadron on Cube, and somebody said something about Battle for Naboo, which I had known came out, but that I didn't know it was by the same developers, and that it was sort of like a sister sequel, not really a sequel, but within that same sort of, um, uh, what, what's, what do they call it, a... Uh, uh, whatever sequel that's not really a sequel what's what's the word for it uh, 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 spiritual successor yeah yeah exactly so it was a spiritual successor of rogue squadron friend 64 and i was like oh shit i didn't know that um that's amazing because rogue squadron on the 64 is one of my favorite games so i go on ebay and i try to find a copy of this now i told you earlier my mom's an antiquer so i grew up like already kind of like with this collection bug um i was the kid who would open his games with a letter opener carefully remove the game and the manual, put them in a plastic case and then put the box in my, in my closet. Right. And I was always telling my friends, you just one day, these are going to be worth something. And you know, everyone laughing at me. Um, so anyways, this was in college. And of course I needed a copy of the game with the box because it needed to go with the rest of my games. Cause that's just how I am. And so I was trying to find a copy of this game. Now, mind you, this is only 06. The game, the game came out in 01 or whatever it was 2000. So it wasn't even that old. I couldn't find a copy of it in box for like less than 70 bucks. I was like, this is crazy. The game came out brand new. It was 60 bucks. How is it, you know, so many years later and in box it's, it's more than, and so I started getting this inkling that, that the prices were kind of going up and growing up with my dad, he was always a wheeler dealer. And so I, was, I always had this sort of like mentality to, you know, if I could sell something for a dollar, I'm going to. 
And uh, I was like, this is crazy. This battle for Naboo is, I wound up buying the copy for 80 bucks or whatever in really nice condition, needed the box to be nice. And uh, that really kind of put the, 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 the bug in the back of my head that these games were starting to become something and having, having taken care of my collection when I was younger was a good idea. I go off to Hollywood. I worked there for a little while. I wound up moving back for family reasons and things like that. Um, and I had this buddy that I used to always buy and sell with, you know, predominantly sports cards, but we would pretty much sell any kind of collectible that we could. And we were, I had only been back, I don't know, six months to a year. And that was probably March. And we were getting ready to look for yard sales. The yard sale season, we're going to start going looking for like sports memorabilia and baseball cards and things that we can flip. And I said to him, I was like, and I told him the story about Naboo. I said, I think there's something about older video games where we can make some money. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I just, you know, whatever. Let's just look for older video games. I think it's an untapped market. And he's like, okay. So the next day, it was a Saturday. And he's like, hey, there's this there's this yard sale in Andover, one of these ritzy neighborhoods, you know, 800 to a million dollar houses. The, the, and this was, this was Craigslist. Going all the way back to Craigslist. He said, Craigslist ad said they had video games. I said, all right, let's go. So we, you know, yard sale says it's starting at eight or whatever. We pull up at 8.15 or whatever. And the place is just crawling. And this woman is just getting rid of stuff. There's just people everywhere. There's probably a hundred people there already. We're like, oh, we're not going to get the games. That's, you know, there's these people, there's too many people games. We know how it goes with the other things. If you're not early, you're, you're you know, you're late. So we walk up and um, she's got the video games. Lo and behold, they're still there in the driveway. And there's probably four or five boxes of them. And uh, I was like, great, this is what we're here for. And you go to the lady and say, uh, how much for the, the, the games? And she's like, oh, 20 bucks. And we're like, oh, 20 bucks a box? Yeah, great. That's perfect. She's like, no, 20 bucks for all of it. Oh, we're like, what? We couldn't, we couldn't pick the boxes up fast enough. And uh, we put them in the car. We, we give her the 20 bucks. I think I only had a $50 bill on me. I don't remember what it was. I think I just gave her the money and we left, whatever it was. We get back to my house. And we start in the, her sons had must have collected from all different generations because this was this was 08 or 09 and there was like there was 360 stuff but obviously it had just come out and there was some ps3 stuff um and then cube and super nintendo and it was kind of mixed and we start looking up the items on ebay and by the time we were done within the next hour the the money that we had just spent on that was almost a thousand dollars ebay retail and this was 09. And we we're like, all right, I think I think we're on to something. I think this we can make. There's more money here in an untapped market than anything else. And so we just started kind of con making that a concentration um, and, and pushed more towards the nostalgia and more toys. And it, it, video games was a predominant piece of it, but we started doing more toys and more retro nostalgia stuff than just sports cards and sports memorabilia and stuff. So we really expanded our, our horizons. And I did that on the side for almost 10 years um, working and working and working. And it was probably 06 or 16 um, or 17 that I decided that I, I really thought that opening a store would be something that was really cool because I already had that background in filmmaking. I already, you know, was into, you know, old cartoons and old toys. Mm -hmm. I was already into collecting games and it just sort of all made sense. And it was something that just seemed cool. And I was like, I think this is something that I want to go for. I'm not using my degree for anything, um, so I might as well use my background and my expertise on something else. And so I just kept saving and saving and saving until uh, I had enough money. And then there was this deal that fell in my lap. One of my buddies was closing down a shop up in New Hampshire, and I went up to buy some uh, displays. 
And he's like, you can't take my displays without taking all my comics. And then I wound up buying like a hundred thousand comics for like two grand. And that was basically between that and the stuff that I had already accumulated over the last 10 years, that was the magic ticket. I was like, I have enough inventory and I have enough liquidity. Let's go find a place. And so within the next six weeks, we found a place in Villarica that just happened to be open for rent. And it kind of all just magically fell into place. That's awesome. And, and was the pandemic, you know, a, a good time for, for the video gaming market on your end? <laughs> That's the understatement of the century. Um, I mean, it, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize, you know, how bad the pandemic's been for so many people, but um, just put this in perspective, we did packs, um, packs of 2020, February 28th and March 1st, that was those four days. So it was February 27th, February 28th, March 1st and March 2nd of 2020, right before everything shut down. It was literally like the last big convention in Boston. We did packs. Those four days, we did almost 30,000 in sales. Um, and we were only sharing a, a 10 by 20 booth with another person. So we really only had a, a 10 by 10 spot. It wasn't very big. We couldn't put very much stuff in there. We packed it with as many games as we could. Um, and we tried to restock every single day. Those four days, we did about 30,000. And by June of 2020, that same merchandise that we sold at PAX was probably worth over 100,000. Wow. Obviously, wow. we had already sold it, but prices right. went, right. went through the roof, three, four, five fold, depending on the games. We were selling GameCube games at PAX for 40 or 50 bucks that by June were selling for 120 bucks, 130 bucks. And then you just couldn't, you know, you know, we probably had 20 Wii's, like 20 Wii bundles that we couldn't move. No one wanted them. By June and July, we couldn't keep Wii's in stock. And we we're talking about selling Wii's in February for 60, 59.99, and then selling Wii bundles in June and July for 140 bucks. And it was just, and just nonstop, just absolutely crazy. And do you think there's more people who got into collecting these old games and playing old games during the pandemic and this and this wave is going to continue? Do you think people have like been bitten by this bug or, or do you see things leveling off to pre-2019? Yeah, point? no, I think, yeah. So I think it's leveling off, but I think the level, the level is, uh, you know, considerably higher than it was previously. Um, there's definitely a group of people who got into it and then are not getting out of it. Um, you do see a lot of people who got into it and they're like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. But then you're also seeing a bunch of people who uh, were able to pass that on. You know, a lot of times you try to show your video games to your kids and they're like, oh, they don't care. They're like, whatever. Like I had my, my, my sons and my son's eight. When he was four, I got him an N64 and a bunch of games and he was all into it. Then the switch came out when he was five. Now I can't get him to turn the N64 on. You know, he doesn't care. Um, but you're seeing a lot of kids come in now, especially with their parents who, because they've been trapped with these games for the last year and a half or however long, they're into the older stuff and they're wanting to learn about it. We actually do get a lot of kids coming in that are 15 and 16 and 17 years old that are like looking for NES stuff and you'd never think that they would, or they're looking for Super Nintendo stuff. Or they're looking for RPGs and, these, and trying to experience a lot of the older stuff and some of these games that they've heard that are really good. Um, and I think that's because of the pandemic. I don't think that would have been, um, other, you know, for any other reason other than that. But, um, you know, you do see people selling off, but I, I think majority it's going to level off, but at a higher, at a higher plateau than it was before. Yeah. It's, it's incredible that a lot of these younger kids are getting into like the older games. Um, 
but it is a tougher time to get in if you're young, you know, like it's not like you can ask, Hey mom, I want to buy this JRPG for the, uh, the GameCube. Do you have $350 or whatever? <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know? So it's just like, but you know, the dirty secret is that there are kids getting into emulation as well. So, you know, that in and of itself, like it's also, it's like the emulation is kind of like a gateway for kids who to get into the older games. And then, you know, if they really want to, you know, pursue the interest further, then they can go to stores like yours and actually get their original hardware and the original games. For sure. Uh, and, and so much the emulation is not, it is, isn't as good as the original stuff. And so then they were like, Oh, I have to play it on the original now. Right. Exactly. Know? Right. Yeah. And, it's and, like, the, it's, a, it's like getting the bad weed. And then it's like, wait a minute, now there's like really good, you know, <laughs> I can go to the uh, the store and actually get some good one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's a lot better to play on the original hardware for sure. Has there been a game, Ben, that like you've sold it, like somebody comes up to the counter and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm selling this. Like they, they, like an obscure game or a game because because Joe and I went down to Hartford for, for the convention like a few months ago and Joe had just you know, it's funny because you got your thing on off Craigslist in 2007. Joe, just before the last retro event we did, found me a 2600 for free and Lowell on a on a uh, on Craigslist, you know. Yep. And, and so then we went down and the guy had a bunch of games. It was like an older guy who everything was in mint condition. It's funny because Joe's like when you had mentioned like the, the manuals, Joe's like. Can I have the manuals? Like, that's all he wanted. He was like so happy to find me. <laughs> and, and, and it's called the Vader version because it's all black. But when we went to Hartford, one of our missions is let's find the shittiest games we can find. Let's let's just find the shittiest game we can find. And what and what it what was the game, Joe? That it was like lost we, luggage. Lost luggage. <laughs> it's yeah, wow. Hey, you know what? It's actually a fun game. You know, you have to, I, what is it? The, the concept is that you're at the baggage carousel and they're uh, instead of actual like suitcases, there are items that are flinging at you and you have to collect them. And it's like underwear and you know, it's, it's really weird stuff. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's a fun game. But but it is. So, so are there any are there any uh, leisure suit Larry or lost luggage games that you got over at Boom Boom that you're like, oh, my God, this guy actually bought this. Uh, I mean, probably every day. And there's some of them are like those like baking with kitty cat games. And then, it, you know, it's like a 40 year old man buying it. It's some of those where it's, you know, I'm not to judge someone, but they're coming up with me with like the Hello Kitty baking with mama or whatever. You know, I don't even know. But there's definitely every day one of those like head scratchers or eyebrow razors and sort of like. Hey, I didn't even know I had this game and B, why are you buying it? So for sure. <laughs> I mean, thank you for buying it, but you know, Did you guys see us down at the convention. I might, I think I recognize the name now that I think about it. I, you were we down were in the, retro world. The very first booth when you walked in the biggest one. Yeah. Oh. That, yeah I, I think I remember it now. Yes. Yes. Did, did you have a giant mannequin of some I'm trying to think there was something where you first walked in that they had a couple, we, we actually got sidetracked and mesmerized by the wrestling, to be honest. And my 11 year old to this day, I, when you were out in LA, did you ever go to things been like Lucha Vavoom? Like, like, no, no, nothing like that. I was usually too busy because because it was this great Mexican wrestling thing that they did. But there was a guy who spent the whole fight and real wrestlers, real top of the game, amazing athlete. But his gimmick is he played his Nintendo switch 
the entire time. And it was a real Nintendo working switch that he was playing a game while watching. But no, it was that was a lot of fun. I mean, I I'm not you know, nearly the collector Joe is, but it is fun going to those things and, and finding it. Um, you know, so I'm learning, I, I'm very old and I'm just learning about retro. So Joe finds me this, I, I planned this thing with mill number five, like a few months ago, we finally have it. I get a few game systems. Joe has some, and he's like, uh, yeah, what about the C what, what, what kind of TVs do you need, Joe? CRTs. CRTs. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, well, if these games, you need those old school TVs. So it was like back to Craigslist and Facebook marketplaces and, and like the wife found one for like 25 bucks. And I don't know the whole situation, but we met the guy at a Target parking lot. It just felt like buying, you know, like like it felt so weird that, it, you know, to do it. But like that, that's one of the things. And now in my basement, I have like three of these like little TVs, but it, uh, but it, it is it's it's awesome to have like the whole nostalgia of like, you know, the, the adapters. Uh, it was funny. I don't know what the adapter called, but the twenty six hundred that Joe found me, it came with that little switch that you had to screw into the back of your TV and it, like TV game switch. Yeah, game switch. Oh, I mean, yeah, the, RF, the RF game switch to coaxial. Dude, yep. those are just, I mean, I literally was giddy. I mean, I didn't use it, of course. I still have it, but I mean, it's like. And it was a Radio Shack branded. It was a Radio Shack. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I, I love the whole world. And it's one of those things where, you know, Joe and I are just big geeks and nerds. And and over like the last like 20 years, the world has kind of caught up to us. Like, well, you know, and it's funny because your brother, as you were talking about, like, you know, was into chess in high school and now what was one of the biggest shows like chess boards you couldn't get chess boards last christmas because of queen's gambit so things like you know superhero movies and sci-fi and retro gaming all the things that we love so very much is now now that's what the cool people are doing it just feels because the world's weird. going to shit and it's what makes you forget about it <laughs> pretty much so how much how much gaming do you get to play you run the store you have a you have a you have a small like did you say he's seven so uh, my son's eight my son's eight and my daughter's five so so you have a full plate how often do you actually get to play <laughs> not very often and um you know it, not as often as i'd like um and a lot of times it's because the games that i want to get into um you, you have these big prologues and you know you know for something like red dead redemption 2 it takes you 45 minutes just to get through the opening thing and a lot of times i don't have that kind of time so my gaming is usually something that can be uh monotonous uh i don't want to say animal crossing-esque but like my son's big in animal crossing my daughter is too but um something that i can get in and out of quick like so call of duty um kill confirmed for example that's like that's perfect for me because it's about a 10 minute game i can play one and then if i have time i can play a second one it's in it's out um other than that i don't really have a lot of time and when i do um i just i'm always trying to better the store and do other things so um i don't know i guess it's when you own a video game store you just do the less the least amount of gaming you've ever done in your whole life um well when i when i do those are the sort of things that i try to do i i i I did play, play a lot of Breath of the Wild when it came out. Um, it's kind of a bittersweet because I, I was never really into Zelda growing up. And so Breath of the Wild was the first Zelda game. I was like, yes, I'm going to get into this. And um, my son was younger. My daughter wasn't quite yet born yet or she was just born. So I had a lot of time on my hands at night taking care of them um, when they were younger. And I had probably put, 
I don't know, 120, 125 hours into the, into the game. And I'm one of those like super meticulous. That's the other thing. I'm super meticulous. So I have to explore the whole area. I need to find every seed. I need to do everything that's in that area before I can move on. And uh, my son at the time was, you know, young, five, four, whatever it was. And um, I wasn't in the switch had just come out. I really didn't, I hadn't like looked up and really understood like how the saving mechanisms worked. Um, and I didn't realize that the save files are actually on the console themselves. And I had two different, um, I had a, a not for resale copy that I had gotten in one of like the big box bundles. And then I had the regular copy for whatever reason. And <laughs> he was playing, he just liked to walk around with the sticks and hit stuff. And I guess he did like one of those like start saves and he did it like 10 times. And he ended up bumping my save file off the console. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, it's all right. It's on my, it's on the other, it must be on the other part. So I put the other card in, it was still gone. There was like, wait a minute, wait. And then I looked it up. And then, you know, the thing had only been out for a few months. I looked it up and I realized like how the saving worked and that he had bumped my file and it was permanently gone. And I had just lost like 130 hours of playing the game. And I was like, ah, so, I'm never playing the game again. And I so never did the, did the house he wound up at in the foster care system feed him well? <laughs> <laughs> did it, like, yeah. you know. So things like that are really, you know, they, they, those are buzzkills. But um, when I do play, it's usually something in and out really quick. Now, do you have people coming in now that games are much more popular and in the news lately? Because, like, I think last week there was a news story about a, a game store in Nebraska that had uncovered, like, a warehouse of, you know, mid-condition 20-something-year-old games and of course, like because of the speculation market and those investors getting into, you know, high priced auctioneer gaming, whatever they're, you know, they're, they're bumping it. They're, they're pumping up these prices to like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or a million dollars for a, a sealed, you know, Mario Kart 64, which they made a jillion of. Um, do you have people coming in now to your store saying, you know, Hey, I have a, you know, kind of half torn label you know copy of uh of the original mario brothers how many thousands of dollars are you willing to give me yeah it, it come you know most of the times the person who's coming in doing that kind of has some semblance of um knowledge but there are a few people who call the store and you you know you have to laugh them off or whatever but for sure you definitely get these people who come in you know, and they think they have a million bucks and you're like, yeah, I can give you like 50 trade and they're like $50 trade. They're like, oh, okay, might as well just start at the GameStop. And it's just like, you know, clearly you've never run a business before and you don't really know what, you know, what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, the new stories definitely alter people's expectations, especially for lower end sealed stuff. Uh, sealed PS3, sealed PS4, a lot of the stuff that's newer. They think that just because they have a sealed game, it's worth a million bucks um, when that's just really not the case. And you, you kind of have to dance around it because you don't want to make people feel like they're dumb and get a bad review or whatever. But then at the same time, you don't want to encourage them to go and do that to other game stores because it's just a massive waste of time. So I don't want to brag, but I have a sealed NES <laughs> copy of win, lose or draw. How much Whoa. can I get for that? Whoa, dude. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm starting the, 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 the opening bid at $500. So if you <laughs> If you grade it, that's probably not that far off. <laughs> I know, right? That, that's that's the only way to really make money. I, by the way, speaking of like things that are, are worth things, <laughs> um, I, I also collect Nintendo Power magazines. And years and years and years ago, I picked up a, a Nintendo Power number one for a dollar at a flea market. That and is it, has, it has all delicious. the inserts. 
It's in great condition. I still have it. It's not wrapped up in like, you know, it's not mummified or, you know, slabbed or anything. It's, it's on it. a shelf. Slab I, it. Because I looked it up. I, 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 I got an app. I started looking it up. It goes for like three to $600, that one magazine. Raw. That's raw. If you slab it and it comes in nice, you get over and like, say you send it to CGC and you get over a nine, you're talking a few grand, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I really like that magazine. <laughs> I really like the inserts and like even everything in there's like the postcards in there and the, See, the map. And the, it's the, just like I bought a speaking of at down at the convention, uh, someone walked into my booth with a really like ratty copy number one, like really ratty. Um, I think I paid him two twenty for it. Uh, really beat up, and there was someone standing behind him as I made the deal. And as soon as he walked away, he goes, are you going to sell that? And I actually had bought it to give to my general manager because he's a really big Mario fan. And I know he, he, he collects the number ones and he's got another copy, but I was just surprised with it. And um, the person was like, I'll buy that right now for 400. I was like, sold. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I bought it for, I, you know, paid two twenty five and sold it for 400 within the legal matter of like five minutes. So yeah, when do you it's think chill. I should slab it? Because I really don't want to. I, I I like looking through it. I know this. I have a PDF yeah. of it. It's I, I know. It, if, it's I, if I were you, especially if it's a nice condition one, I would slab it and then go find myself a ratty one. You see, mm. the good thing about um, Joe's wife and my wife not listening to the podcast, we can say <laughs> that we have these things with that value and not have to get rid of them. <laughs> you know, the secret is safe, you know, you know it, it, because no, but that is, that is great. It's funny when, when you said, you know, you were there and somebody sold you something. I was thinking it's like, yeah, I bet, I bet that's where real deals are to be had by collectors, by, you know, retail stores and stuff like that. I mean, what a great place to sell, you know, an old magazine like that. But to turn it around and make a profit within like five minutes, that's a uh, congratulations, my friend. That's not they right. skate around. Not in every day. Um, ben, this was so great. Thank you so, so much for jumping on. I'm so are you going to be able to uh, be there next Thursday or this Thursday? Or, or are you just going to be sending, you know, some some like Joey or somebody else from the store? Because it would be it's great to Thursday, meet. Right? Thursday, the Thursday, third. the third, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm planning on probably being there. Um, I probably have my kids with me for a little bit. And I do know that Joey wants me to help oversee the setup and stuff. We have a are, we're actually expanding how we are doing things a little bit specifically for you guys. Um, and so Joey wants me there to help. So that's my intention. We are so we are so excited. And, and again, you know, I, I don't know how many uh, how much you drove foot traffic or online traffic, but definitely your advertisement work, because that's how, you know, here. That's how I found out about Boom Boom Games. So so nice going, my friend. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. And it was good talking to you for sure. Joe, you got any last thoughts? Uh, so really like, you know, slap it and then get a ratty copy. And, and <laughs> yeah, no, that. for real. I know. And seriously, like your win, lose and draw, like, I know it sounds dumb. Um, but even, even like games like that, you either whether you send it to VGA or you send it to WADA. Uh, but if you, you can go on and you can see what actually just released their population counts. If you, if it's really nice and you have one of only, you know, five of the win, lose and draw games in the entire world that are graded at a nine, four or nine, six, with, you know, and, and it really matters too. If the seal's nice and you get that A++ seal, really nice seal. If you have a 9.6 with an A++, you might be one of only five or six copies in the entire world. And then yes, you know, it sounds dumb, but it could be worth 500, 1,000, 1,500 bucks 
Um, I, it was that guy that that article just came out. IGN was the one who did it. Whoever wrote their article needs to just quit because they're, they don't know how to do research reports that find just from the games that were shown between Chrono Trigger and Turtles in Time. I know of a private trade that just happened on a Facebook group called the high end game group. If you guys are interested in getting into some of this additional culture, I can point you in the right direction. There's a group called high end game group. It's a group has about 3,500 people in it, and it pretty much uh, cultivates the high-end collectors in the entire U.S. and most of the world and the people who are the ones really doing a lot of the stealing stuff. Um, I know of a private trade that just happened for a 9.6 Turtles in Time, or was it a 9.4? I can't remember the grade now, but for over $100,000. And so that fine that just happened, just the games raw, you're talking about $500,000. Once some of those get graded, and I know the games that were actually disclosed, there was only about a um, 30 to 40% of the games were actually disclosed. There's way, way more. It's going to be, end of the day, it's going to be over a million dollar fine, especially after the stuff's graded. A graded Chrono Trigger, if it comes back nice, you're talking $100,000 to $200,000, if not more. That Turtles of Time is a six-figure game, and who knows what else is in that um, that fine, let alone the Breath of the F- Breath of Fire 2, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, so the moral of the story is, sell out your childhood just cash in <laughs> make the money now if, if, if it's sealed if it's sealed if you have sealed games from when you, from the 80s and early 90s then yes sell it sell it sell it yep that's awesome ben thank you so much i'm looking forward to uh, to meeting you this week my friend awesome thanks guys i appreciate it good talking to you Yep. All right. Thank you so much, Ben. This was really great. It was really fun. I will send you the link as soon as it posts. They, and Joe, Joey's a rock star. So he, he's been great to talk with and stuff like that. So, so uh, I am, I'm really looking forward to meeting in person. Perfect. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Have a great night. Thanks, you man. too. Bye. Take it easy. Been playing this game since 1982. Took hundreds of thousands of dollars I got the highest scoring Gallagher. I got the highest scoring Gallagher. I got the highest scoring Gallagher. This might be the greatest moment in our